0: You're listening to the Crowdfunding Nerds Podcast, a podcast that will help you
1: succeed before, during, and after your crowdfunding event. And now, here is your host, Andrew Lowen. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another awesome episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. I am so excited for this one because we have a guest. I am joined, as always, by Sexy Irish Sean, who's, I guess we're trying to change his nickname, but it'll happen next episode. And I'm joined by a special guest, Martin Swierkot. (laughs) <laughs> from GameFound, who is the CEO and yep. the big cheese over there. How do I do on your name, Marcin? Uh, more or less. Let's say like three out of ten. Like okay. Of 10. <laughs> That's <good>. All right. <laughs> <laughs> now, on this podcast, we really wanted to dig deep into GameFound and ask questions that only the CEO could possibly know. Hmm. So you are the CEO of GameFound, which is a competitor to Kickstarter for, at the moment, board game, hmm. uh, board game crowdfunding. And, I mean, you are also the the mind behind Awaken Realms, sure. which is produces amazing content, uh, some of which I've personally backed. And I want to know, kind of how did this idea come about? And, you know, assuming your goal is to become a better crowdfunding choice than Kickstarter, how do you plan on getting there? Sure.
0: So, so generally, we, we've we done a lot of campaigns on, on Kickstarter. And, and we, like, ideally, like, as a company, love the idea behind crowdfunding because it's such a good... A way for companies to communicate with backers, also plan their business and kind of like adapt. In general, we love to do iterational work. And especially in in creative industries, it's super important not to, you know, hide in the basement for five years. And then come up with something and then people will be like eh, nah, not really right <laughs> and, and like your life savings is gone and nothing is gone so it's <laughs> it's so so important to get that you know as soon as you can show something just show it let people judge it adapt accept feedback make it better iterate iterate iterate, iterate and you arrive at, at a hopefully great board game or great product. So so generally, crowdfunding is very close to us. Um, the problem was that for whatever reason, Kickstarter uh, as a platform has kind of like holes in the whole experience, right? First of all, as a backer, if I want to add add-on, how do I do it? Right? I, I need mm-hmm. to like, increase a pledge. I, you like, do it in the game found pledge manager after the campaign. Yeah, exactly. Over. Right. So, it, <laughs> so, so it's kind of like counterintuitive and makes the whole experience really lackluster in, in some regards because there are so many places like I want to choose a language I cannot, right? I want to like pay shipping in the same platform or whatever. And the whole idea of, you know, which we kind of grown to. To kind of understand and and, and a lot of people from crowdfunding is, you know, adapted to from the, you know, after the campaign, you go to pledge manager, right? But when you think about it longer, Like in any e-commerce, do you see that you kind of like go to a store and then you need to go to another store to fill your... Like it's absurd, right? Mm -hmm. It seems like it's generally a bad idea because, you know, you have to register, have two accounts. There's like five, seven pledge managers and so forth and so forth. So it's super complex. Um, uh, It it makes the whole process much more complicated. And I feel like generally uh, it makes backers well, it, like it, it is not an open platform it, it's harder to get like a new people and and when you go yeah. to crowdfunding campaigns you can actually see that most of them have like 90 to 95 percent are already backers meaning that it's super hard to get new people because it's such a weird experience to kind of get into right yeah so i i feel like so our idea is like there are a lot of systemic upgrades that we can do, and we haven't. In our early days, we even suggested it to Kickstarter, but they kind of they didn't take it up.
1: And hey, can I can't I... stop you right there and ask you about that. I I was wondering, you know, Kickstarter has employees that are developers, and it seems like they do nothing all day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering what what in the world? I mean, there are so many very obvious problems with mm. the platform that they could have improved on and that kind of thing. And it feels like they kind of left the door open for you.
0: I mean, I wouldn't be as harsh on Kickstarter because there's one thing that they have that we do not right now. And, and namely, it's, um, it's just like a lot of, of stuff happening. Up. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. So so it's probably uh, you know, we have pretty big scope because all the pledge managers we have like a, like a manual million unique users a month which is you know a lot and i imagine they would they would have like 100x that or whatever right and and they probably are battling with the what every you know major old website is battling with is like a backend so things that you do not see so then they can have like an old old language programming language behind everything and you know just to give you an example nemesis lockdown our biggest campaign uh, we invested something like, I think, 30000 to $40,000 on uh, pre-campaign marketing. Just to make sure that the day one will be, you know, awesome. Everyone will know about it and so forth. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the campaign launches and Kickstarter servers are down for the next four to five hours, right? Oh my goodness! So, so yeah, so that was kind of like, you know, the tipping point for us a, a bit because uh, it, it's actually uh, something that you you want a reliable partner, right? And and in a sense, we, we kind of we wanted to have, like, for example, a representative, someone that we could call in mm-hmm. just in case. But couldn't get that uh in a way or form we, we, we have to go to like a ticket system or whatnot right and i think the like the overall the difference of i, I think that we have a difference in, in vision in general because I, I think that kickstarter was created as a tool for um you know like super creative projects from an individuals you know first-time creators things like that right but you know throughout the years you have like actual companies using the tool because it's a good way to introduce a product and interact with customers. So you have an actual companies with like 100 people, for example, like us, Awaken Realms, and just do not have the professional tools. So what we are kind of trying to achieve here on our end is we want to have a tool that will not only be Accessible to you know first-time creators or whatnot, but we'll also have those kind of backend tools to help you to manage things, to have everything in one place, to manage your taxes, manage your shipping, and to kind of like walk you through all that. And it's a cool journey because we're like at the end when we when you look at it on ourselves, it's like we're empower. We're trying to empower individuals and groups and organizations to basically. By using the platform, becoming better version of their organization or whatever. Because if let's say we can save someone's times of by clearing taxes for them or, or whatnot, then they will spend more time on creating awesome board games, and everybody wins, right? So uh, <laughs> it's you know makes sense.
2: So, so Martin, it's it's great seeing that all the innovation that you're bringing out on the platform and. And one thing that we strive in marketing our clients on kickstarter with particularly around board games is the idea of building communities around the game before launching doing a lot of pre-marketing is there a plan within gamefound to bring in more community groups bring in maybe community badges and really maybe even take some of the wind out of facebook and start having gamefound being like the 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 place on the internet where board gamers can meet and back sure. games but also then talk about games
0: yeah and, and that's super important what you talk about because a lot of creators have no idea about they think like the super you know the the, the campaigns that are successful they are just launching and out of nowhere they become super successful which is you know ridiculous if, if you know anything about <laughs> campaigns you know that you have to you need to have early adopters you need to create noise beforehand because i'm not a huge believer in like so-called organic traffic, mm-hmm. in the sense that there are projects that are coming out of nowhere. There always is some kind of marketing effort behind it, letting people know and so forth. Especially now, when you have like 400 games a month, right? And half of them doesn't even fund, right? So where is the organic traffic? Yeah. So, so it's super important, and that's why uh, on Game Fund we are trying to kind of introduce few things on this in, in inside the system that will help it. First of all. You have drafts that are much more advanced than the Kickstarter ones because on the Kickstarter if you have a draft to share with people it's just basically one image and then you can follow follow a project and that's it mm-hmm. right. On Fund, you can just build a whole page and whatever you want to show, you can show. At the start, you can even show pledge levels, how they're structured and so forth. Plus, one of the super important things is actually the followers. So Mm -hmm. it's one of the big uh, differences between us and Kickstarter, meaning that on Kickstarter, you get like uh, notify me on lunch or for all or whatever and and it will basically send two emails to the followers right which is one at the start of the campaign and one 48 hours before the campaign will will finish our followers will also get all the updates because we i love that
1: before the campaign actually launches They're getting updates.
0: And plus, yes, you can actually make an update before the campaign launches. So you can actually ask people, uh, see how they are interacting with you and so forth. Plus we have these special gifts where we are incentivizing people to follow the project. If you're interested, follow the projects, click like stay in touch with us and you will get a free bonus, but you will get it only if you will back it during the span of the campaign. And what is cool about it is it's, you know, because we tried, we were doing things like that on Kickstarter before, but it was always super, you know, manual, stupid yeah. kind of work. The early bird right. and,
1: special. Yeah, you know, exactly,
0: like... right. And and here it is 100%, 100% automatic. So everyone right. just can see this product inside their carts. Yeah. It, you know, goes into their order. There is nothing, you know, Still some polishing around the edges to be done uh, yep. granted, but it's you know it, it's really a big difference and it's it's basically I think people are enjoying that because um, they you know if they are if they show the interest before the campaign will start, they have like some small reward for it, and on the side of the creator they actually you know get the get to see what marketing makes sense, how many followers do they get just to estimate the potential start of the game.
1: Yep. Yeah. You know, one other thing I think on on those lines, real quick, is actually I think it might be one of my favorite, if not my very favorite, feature of GameFound, and that is if you follow this project, you get five bucks off or whatever yep. when when you launch. I always liked the idea in a Kickstarter campaign of getting something extra and not necessarily cutting the cost, because the problem is, you know, if you cut the cost with like an early bird special. All the people who find you in the first 24 hours when you got the early bird special number one they're going to be the people who would have backed you anyway it's like your most yep. hardcore fans are going to back the game in the first 24 hours anyway and then you're going to lose out on money that they would have happily paid you know but as a consumer of course i'm going to take the cheaper option if they're both equal now what game found else, and then by the way that also has a problem with like retailers at the end of the road it's like hey you Discounted your product. And you know, yep. I don't like that. But I really oh. love the idea of that if you follow the project, you get a special five dollar credit, which is not a discount. It's a it's a special credit, which yep. does, is not reflected after the campaign ends. And somebody goes, you know, into their local retailer and sees your product on the shelf. They're gonna Google it or check it out on Amazon oftentimes and see, you know, what what's this project product really worth? And You know, to not have a discount that's visible is actually, I think, a really fantastic thing. I am very pleased about that. There
0: there are two components to that, if I may add. So the first component of like 24 hours early birds or whatever means that people will take them even if they... For, are really not sure about the campaign and then they will mm-hmm. drop the pledges mid-campaign and you can actually go to negative numbers during the campaign mm-hmm. which can really kill the momentum So that, this yep. is one big risk that is happening and the second second risk that we are actually, uh, maybe not risk but, but something that, that we learn on ourselves mm-hmm. is that perceived value in even small expansion is much higher than just like $5 off or whatever uh, for, uh, people are rating extra stuff better than cheaper price Uh, from my Mm. experience and I understand it because um, you know if I get a if I if I want a game I will happily pay for it 50 100 or whatever but having this you know one extra even if it's like 10 cards but this is my extra thing that only I have and the retail edition doesn't have it it makes me happy (laughs) (laughs) much much happier than you know five dollars or whatnot not. yeah and it's cheaper for me as a creator, which, you
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> Currently, we're marketing Skyrim on GameFound. And yep. one of the things that we love about it is the fact that we were able to leverage the Facebook pixel before we launched. So we, we've done this traditionally by creating our own landing pages and directing people to our landing pages. And then from clicking emails, directing them to the Kickstarter page. But just being able to direct people to the page, get all that pixel data... And then create all these audiences based on all that information so we can retarget people who've gone mm-hmm. to the page but have not followed we can then target people who have hit follow but haven't purchased so there's so much and what we love is that it's, it's all predefined we don't we don't even have to go in and define it; it's just all there so it just makes our lives so much easier and it's definitely something that I'm gonna be encouraging our clients to seriously consider just when it comes to the the fact of Facebook advertising, it's just it's just you know it's just on another level.
0: <laughs> I mean and we're still early days. We understand how much important the traffic, general traffic is, but the problem is that you know Facebook is undergoing huge changes right now. It it has been for the past this year basically, right? The Facebook mm-hmm. pixel thing, 14, the whole yeah. GDPR and so forth. So we're kind of trying to actively, you know, find out our way into that because we understand that, you know, tracking and basically traffic is super important for the platform and the creators, obviously. And being able to work with agencies uh, who helps creator to kind of reach out to as many people as possible, super important. And we always recommend our creators to have some third party helping because you know we can help them to some extent, obviously trying to organically push them out, the banners and whatnot. But at the end of the day, they need also the third other sources. Obviously, Facebook has more users than we have uh, by a little bit. <laughs> So yeah so so we're kind of like trying to figure out but but we definitely are super open to kind of like um you know hearing out what what you guys would like to see more right or super happy to uh to work with you with creators so to to be able to yeah. create an ecosystem that will be just providing good results uh for
1: everyone Uh, So one of the big reasons we, we talked about, you know, that a company might want to use Kickstarter is because of organic traffic, perceived organic traffic. I'll say it that way. Uh I personally see it more like you, you need to bring your crowd to fund. This is something that we all consider to be an axiom in the crowdfunding space, something that's self-evident. And I see it almost like the traffic on Kickstarter in relation to board games are really driven by the creators themselves because they're the ones that have worked hard to generate their email lists yeah. and Facebook groups and engage their communities, and those companies like Simon and and you know whatever you 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 name the company are Wake going to yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. awaken realms <laughs> I should have named first. Sorry, yeah, thank I mean, you. Not on the gender <laughs> list. No, <so>. no worries. <laughs>
0: Simon yeah, will have man. like their 50th campaign, right? So let's let's give it to them. <laughs> it's a yeah,
1: <laughs> right? It's a Marvel, uh, you know, probably another Marvel. Um, yeah, so I think Silver
0: <laughs> Surfer or something on that note.
1: <laughs> okay, all right. So, but yeah, it's 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 interesting because I think that these companies driving their communities to Kickstarter has been the source of Kickstarter's traffic. Dominantly,
0: one thing that I always add to that is that board gamers are super educated customers. (laughs) Basically, they first of all they want to find a new board game, so 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 they are interested per se. No other kind of sector on kickstarter would ever tolerate this complexity of the campaigns meaning you know add-on stretch goals and those kind of weird things like mm-hmm. puzzles within campaign right but board yeah. gamers do because there's really very smart people at the end of the day and so, so i believe that very often they will spread the word uh, the word of mouth is super important and the kind of sense of community creators building the least uh, reaching out on Facebook, trying to reach out interesting groups. So the organic traffic is like always like, it's hard to say, to be honest. Like, like what's motivating that traffic? I, I feel like it, um, it, it, there is probably existing the uh, traffic on Kickstarter, but I probably would not say it's uh, from coming from people who. You know, are like, oh, let me see what's on Kickstarter. I don't believe that this is happening at all. Probably my idea about organic traffic on the Kickstarter would be people who click on the marketing Mm -hmm. of the campaign Will not back this campaign, but there's like uh, other campaigns, and so yep. they might click to see the other campaigns, and will end up backing it, right? So, so that that will be probably my idea of organic traffic in 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 that regards, um, and you know what, to what extent does it like? What is the extent of it, right? And it's so hard for me to tell. I would love to tell you like, oh, it doesn't matter or so far, but what we find out so far. Uh, on our campaigns, because we are in a beta phase. So we invited a lot of different creators from super big ones to very small ones or to first-time creators and so forth. And I'm pretty confident that for the top-tier campaigns and the mid-tier campaigns, meaning top-tier 1 million plus or around $1 million plus, it doesn't really matter at all, almost, like changing the platform. So so we hadn't had any any problems. The mid-tier as well, uh, and by mid-tier, I mean two hundred thousand dollar plus. Also, we haven't seen any like drop because those were those were kind of like a consistent creators who, you know, delivered multiple $200,000 campaign, and then they come to GameFound and also deliver $200,000 campaign or whatnot. And then you have the, like the super small indie creators. And we had a couple of them fail, basically, coming in and, and not funding or, you know, just being stuck in place, funding like $6,000 and just being stuck there. And I don't know, <laughs> because I would love them to fund. But on the other hand, I feel like there's like half... Of the kickstarter campaign doesn't fund um mm-hmm. so i i i'm not sure you know the, the it's you can never compare one to one but maybe for those you know the smallest campaign it it, it have the impact yep. hard to say because again a lot of campaigns doesn't fund on kickstarter as well but we'll you know what we found out because we obviously are doing tests so let's say that that we uh, we had a campaign that is like you know very little funding like well, let's say four thousand uh, dollars, right? Mm-hmm. And we threw it like through the tr- like internal traffic to it, like through the roof, meaning like the huge banner place, bgg sponsorships, or so, like a lot of like extra traffic coming in there. So, through way and it still didn't move <laughs> that was you know the and what do you do about it right there's really nothing that you can kind of push like you'll not force people to to buy campaigns
1: yeah you know it's curious because i i think that the a self-evident truth in addition to what it is that we've discussed is just that the quality of the game really really matters and oh, yeah. <laughs> you know you can't package up garbage and you know i don't know miniatures that are all copy-pasted versions of one another and other things like that, and and expect to wow your community. As you said, they're very well-educated. So I
0: I think the biggest problem is because those are cool-looking things, but being Mm -hmm. okay is not enough anymore, I feel, like being average. There's too many things, too many games out there to be average. You need to be really spectacular, and and this is where where you can actually gain success.
1: Yeah.
2: The one thing that really excited us when we first looked into Gamefound, and I think we saw it on some of your earliest blogs, was the possibility of Gamefound affiliate links. Is that still something that is, uh, you know, planning to come out, or is that something that's actively out? I know that we had referral links, but. Um, mm-hmm. Was, maybe what's what's the development and maybe the the thoughts behind the game founder affiliate links because this it really excites us as marketers.
0: Yeah, so so this is something that we're actually taking different remarks. So if you have any thoughts on how would you love to see it, uh, I I would definitely happy to hear because right now we have the referral links and we're kind of trying to um, the the way we see the general marketplace. Our role maybe in the marketplace is that we want to. Show the results that are as close to truth as possible, which is your guys you guys are marketers you know that you know Facebook will try to uh basically yeah, show that oh you is. know all your profits are all Facebook marketing right then you go to Kickstarter dashboard right and Kickstarter will be showing like oh you know sixty percent mm-hmm. of the funding is Kickstarter organic traffic which is yep. total BS right <laughs> yeah. um, and you know you will go to Google Analytics oh and suddenly Google Analytics ads is what give you money right yeah. so we kind of see our role as um as someone that who Try to triangularly take all the data that is possible and try to arrive at the conclusion how to attribute movement and so forth. And from that, to uh, have like a just system between creator and the agency, marketing agency, to have you know some kind of um, some kind of percentage base. And you know, like at the end of the day, like uh, it's like far future because our uh, backlog. Uh, Is quite big, but like w- when I imagine it, it's like as a creator, I would have like a special, uh, special place, like a marketing where I could see like five offers from different marketing agencies, and I can pick one as like an open markets of agencies, and and then you know this agency will be starting providing me with marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see the results on the dashboards and everything, right? To to kind of make everything as accessible mm-hmm. and as easy to to work between people as possible
1: that's awesome. You know, one one of the areas that I see the poten- potential for the greatest gain in referral links is actually giving the ability for a reviewer to set up a, an affiliate link. Um, oh yeah. This is quite common in, you know, with amazon.com and products like that. Mm-hmm. And I would love to hear let's say f- for example, you know, you've got Quackalope Jesse Anderson up and coming. He loves Reviewing campaign style games, which Awaken Realms, uh, Mm -hmm. I think he's reviewed like everything that that he can at least of Mm -hmm. of your stuff, but um, the, you know, Rado or other uh, creators like that, and then Mm -hmm. very importantly, smaller creators that really want to turn this into a positive ROI. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, something like a, an affiliate link that would give them a potential commission for just directing people. Uh, That could be a really powerful thing. And I thought I saw something like that on GameFound.
0: Yeah, yeah. we were talking about it. And I was actually going a bit forward because I would really love to have like a special type of account for creators where backers on GameFound can follow them. And once this given you know reviewer influencer will give a positive review they will get a notification like hey the creator you are following just gave a glowing review to this project and you can back it now so yeah that definitely things like that the only problem is that you know there are a lot of ideas right now yeah. and you're just mm-hmm. setting priorities uh <laughs> to the yeah. uh, proper places uh so Definitely. It's just, you know, juggling different things. Um last 3 weeks ago we did like a huge thing that no one obviously saw because it is only backend. basically we we went to net version 5 uh, which is the newest like the kind of cutting edge technology back end technology uh, so basically the back end databases are working five five times faster uh, so we're trying to balancing That's you know awesome. not only pretty interfaces or whatever but also having this kind of server capacity and make sure that when we are growing we will not be in a trap mm-hmm. of i, I imagine kickstarter is I, I don't know but but possibly to be like, you know, at some point when you scale up, you suddenly don't have the capacity and you need to start doing some kind of, you know, a lot of work that makes, you know, your tools old and, and you cannot adjust to,
2: to other things. So yeah. there's, there's certain tools that we use that sort of help us sort of get more information out of Kickstarter. One is a bigger cake. And one of the most fascinating things about that platform is that it allows us to see where the backers are coming from, which which regions? And this is helpful when, mm. you get when you're spending money on ads, because if we can see that, oh well, we're getting a lot of backers in Germany, maybe we should increase our ad spend in Germany. Or we're getting a lot of, you know, some a lot mm. of backers in this obscure country that we didn't think we'd get backers. It helps us then uh, determine where we should be spending our ad spend. And I think that would be a great feature to see on the back end of a game found. And I don't know how difficult that would be to implement, but I think that would just be something really cool because you'd be able to creators would be able to see. Okay, we get lots of backers from this region. Let's increase our ad spend to those places.
0: What what's what was the tool called?
2: A big Bigger Cake. Yeah, bigger
1: biggercake.com. Okay.
0: Maybe yeah. they have some implementation API. We'll see.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh very useful for me when I, you know, I can look at popularity of a project on Kickstarter and look at it like by day, a lot of other stats that you can that you can see. Um but yeah, first-time first backers yeah. versus new
2: backers, right? Ah, oh, okay,
0: sure, makes sense. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, how how are you guys actually dealing out out of curiosity with the iOS changes of the tracking? Because uh, where you know, as as a general Game Fund Plus creator, we're trying to figure out a way to But basically, a, a lot of it is just making the.
2: Basically, it's hard to track purchases from iOS devices. <laughs> like right. This. Sure. Currently, what we're doing with the Gamefound project is I'm just manually tallying every day. This is the ad spend, and then I look at the referral codes uh, within the backend. Mm. I just I just tally all those up. So actually, that would be a great uh, feature to implement, just to be able to hit a button or something, just be able to see how much money like the uh, okay have coming from the from one source or maybe one particular tag. Um, mm-hmm. And then that's what I'm doing. So I'm seeing input and then output. And then I'm looking at uh, Facebook within the, back, within the ads manager, seeing how many purchase events are are mm-hmm. triggering. And whether those are purchases on our campaign or other campaigns, it still lets me know that, okay, the actions are happening on this ad and this ad set. And then that allows me to then focus the ad spend. And right now the, uh, the campaign um, is averaging about 5.1 return on ad spend. Uh, which mm. is which is great, and I think yesterday was uh, seven point two. So it just it was very good yesterday, and I imagine that oh, the last really forty eight nice. hours is going to be very good.
0: I always tell people like if your return on or advertising is above five, just spend as much as you can until yeah. it goes down. <laughs> that's, that's my <laughs> always like because people tell me like oh what's your what's your you know marketing budget? And I was like there's like no roof if mm-hmm. you know if you're putting one dollar and getting six dollar back, and your margin is like. 30 percent. Just spend as much as you can until it, you know, <laughs>
2: yep. starts going down. Yeah. Well, But the, the the return on ad spend at the beginning of the campaign was eight point six, and then we mm. was just we were just we are throwing money at it, and it was slowly going down. What I noticed was that more money wasn't producing more backers, so we yeah, significantly significantly reduced the ad spend, and we will basically just we've stabilized now at 5.1 uh, currently. But it was it was yep. going down daily. Because I was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. just pumping that's money.
0: Yeah, that's our experience as well on all, on, on, on all our campaigns is that it goes down
1: significantly
0: day by day, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's difficult because you run into, at scale really, you run into the challenge of the audience being limited. You know, I did mm-hmm. a... Uh, I worked for a company that sold T-shirts and, you know, it was pretty much hip hop and mom life were the two topics that they really hit, you know? So it was hilarious. Um, I am such a dork and I'm marketing like Tupac and all all sorts of stuff like that. And uh, there were 179 million people into hip hop that, that I could find on uh, just in the U S on Facebook. And we could basically spend unlimited money, as long as the return was there, you know, we were spending yeah. probably three to five hundred dollars a day, and you know, for a very small company, that's like that's going to bankrupt them in a month if it's not returning. Yeah. But we would see just consistently high sales at you know ten x returns or more, and um, mm-hmm. that's just because it was. I mean, it was kind of easy to market. The audience was very large and that kind of thing. And what I found uh, was- how,
0: how how long ago was it?
1: Uh, that was probably I want to say. Like three, four years ago now. Yeah, like I mean
0: that was a different marketing experience. Yeah. Marketing on Facebook, you know, three, four time three, four Definitely. years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was uh, it was much easier, right? Because I, I I I think that what I tell people is like you know three, four years ago, you mm-hmm. could you you didn't have to be a professional and you would still drive a good results today. Yeah. Nah, it's it's right. much harder. Much harder. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it was uh, very interesting. You know, one thing I do find that's consistent with my uh, experience—you know, like three, four years ago versus uh, today—is Facebook's learning is just as sophisticated as it as it's always been. And um, one of the things that we try to do, especially with small—you know, we work with a lot of first-time creators. Mm -hmm. We'll work with you know big campaigns like Skyrim. But one thing that I find is consistent across the board is that if you teach Facebook a Facebook campaign who you're looking for and what makes a great um, conversion or lead or whatever, Mm -hmm. then it will, it tends to find great people to send ads to, you know, with specific interests. Things like lookalike audiences have actually really dipped um, as far as Mm -hmm. effectiveness, but specific interest, as long as, you know, like for example, um, we did this campaign it was called fallen land and it it had a very obvious market it was like post-apocalyptic people interested in post-apocalyptic stuff so we were Mm -hmm. putting interest in like resident evil book of eli you know just post-apocalyptic fiction stuff like that and we really um, honed in by also requiring board games as an interest and then in addition requiring kickstarter as an interest and that made you know, our smallest audience was like 250,000. Yep. We put, we put like 20 or $30 a day into that small audience. Then we opened it up to a larger audience, which was post-apocalyptic fiction with board games and Kickstarter is like a million people. And then we really opened it up and we removed Kickstarter and we removed board games. And we got the best results in, um, you know, leads from old, from the only, uh, um, you know, just post-apocalyptic fiction and that was it. And oh, really? yeah. And then when it actually went to Kickstarter, it funded immediately. And all the all the people that ended up jumping on the email list, they were all board game players. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them knew Kickstarter and that kind of thing. And um I I kind of see that as the way, you know, that's really the for me the magic of Facebook and why it's so powerful is because yeah, it, it kind of remembers what you told it. As far as like, this is a it's good
0: leap obviously like extremely sophisticated. Though I have a theory. Uh, this is this like co- conspiracy theory. Oh, okay. I love <laughs> For Facebook. All right, you wanna get it? Okay, because um, whenever you know, there is this kind of like whenever we are marketing our campaigns or other campaigns, there is this kind of like a magic, like almost like a magic. Uh, placing of amount of funds if, and if you go beyond it's not like it's not like you, like let's say you spend like a thousand dollars a day and then you spend two thousand dollars a day so the second thousand will bring you let's say 20 percent less results no it's like yeah. thousand will bring you ten thousand and two thousand will bring you ten thousand like there's like a <laughs> cut-off line right yeah. and, and it is like super weird because it, like it doesn't make any sense like in real life right like, like you, yeah. you, you expect diminishing returns no no returns beyond on some level. So my it's... conspiracy theory is that there are so many people um, marketing on Facebook that Facebook kind of like needs to find a way to deliver cutter to all of them. So everyone will see portion of sales growing, but they cannot, you know, give the one that spends the most all the or all the conversions because mm-hmm. it would limit the clients only to the biggest corporation that can buy out all the mar- or, or, or the profits so
1: that's my conspiracy right. theory obviously Coca-Cola based on nothing be taking all the board game space Everything. yeah, exactly space. They, they they
0: would just you know convert from everywhere right so so they need to have like a, some yeah.
1: stop gaps yeah and that's yeah. actually one of the reasons i see scalability issues in facebook you know it's so great it's yeah. amazing for first-time creators i mean people that come to us and they're like i can afford 20 dollars a day it's like that money can be used quite effectively in fact a lot of studies show ten dollars a day um, has been, has proven the most effective at return on investment per dollar spent 10 bucks a day per ad group. So what we, what we try to do, we call it uh spreading wide, you know, where you have a bunch of different ad groups and set them at like 10 bucks a day or $20 a day. Some of them, you can scale a lot higher, but, you tend to see diminishing returns, like you yep. said, and uh, so that's kind of uh, one of the negatives about Facebook. I actually completely buy into your conspiracy theory. Sure. Consider me like your Alex that's Jones. Why you, that's why. Like
0: that's why you know incredible. I remember always to sleep with a, a tin hot foil. Yep. Uh,
2: just, just... <laughs> <laughs> but but it is it is dodgy. Like they are a law unto themselves. One of one of the things I think is most frustrating about all these platforms oh. is you can't actually see the bids. Yeah. Exactly. So they have an auction. Yeah but it's all yep. behind a closed door. So.
0: Actually, guys, there is super interesting document if you haven't seen it. I think it's case uh, in US, California against Google monopolistic practices when mm-hmm. when they will just show you how much dirty stuff that Google did. And there's so much of it because they have like literally monopoly and no one,
1: yep.
0: no one has no idea what they are doing. They can do literally everything and no one will, will even know. And mm-hmm. it's like 300 pages document that I saw and it's like, my God, there's so many different like yeah sorry guys i need to go uh it was super pleasure to talk with you yeah um hopefully we can you know make it maybe in half a year make it again and hopefully i'll be able to see remember these affiliate links that we were talking about it's yeah, on it right, right, right now
1: <laughs> yeah for sure i'll always you know if if you feel like there's merit in us uh chatting with somebody on the inside and you know talking to some of your technical team or whatever we um have done probably i don't know uh, closing in on 100 kickstarter campaigns or so sure. and of all different sizes and i personally see you know there are the big companies out there that do the multi-million dollar products but i think that there are many more people that are you know first time and second time creators and i think that mm. you know strategies to attract the little guy that will you know that that could you know i think that's where you can scale as as sure. an agency but yeah i mean i i love what you're doing really thankful that you decided to join us and is there anything else you wanted to say before you uh before we let you go anything else you wanted to say to our audience no it's all good thank you very much for talking it was a pleasure talking to you guys
0: well that's all the time we have for this week's episode of crowdfunding nerds for more resources articles and to listen to past podcasts please visit us at crowdfundingnerds.com thank you all again for listening to this week's episode and we'll see you next week stay nerdy